You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. If you have your copy of scripture, will you stand with me as we look at Acts chapter 5, verse 33. We're going to read down to the end of the chapter, and I want you to hear this story, this story uh, that is going to challenge us today, maybe in some ways that we've never been challenged, but I think the Lord is trying to get our attention and trying to help us to become a happy nobody. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. This is the Sanhedrin wanting to kill the disciples. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutias rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ, that the Christ is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, you, Lord Jesus, you are the Christ. We believe that here today. We believe that you are the Savior, the Messiah. You are the great I am. And we ask for you to show up today and bless us. Fill us with your spirit, we pray. And Lord, I pray that you will grab a hold of every heart in this room that we may receive you unto salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we've been in the book of Acts for a little while, and the book of Acts is a big book, so we have broken it down into a a number of series, and we are in the second series. And the title of this particular section of the text is A Dynamic Power Displayed. Now, when I wrote that, I was thinking about the dynamic power of people being healed, the power of God manifesting itself in ways that we uh, often think of when we think of the power of God in the book of Acts or in the churches today. But I want you to think about this for just a moment with me this morning. It takes enormous spiritual power to be a happy nobody. It takes enormous power, power from God to make the choice to be a nobody so that Christ can be magnified in your life. The natural man, the natural woman, the regular way of life is for us to think about what it's going to take to do something great, which that's not all bad, but I want us to realize that we can't do anything great if we are not filled with the Spirit of Jesus. Is it possible that the happiest Christian is a nobody Christian? I know that everybody wants to be somebody. 
There's something in us that drives us to make a difference, to leave a mark, to make sure that our lives count. And on the surface, this seems to be perfectly natural, a perfectly natural sort of ambition. But I believe that the enemy, the devil, will manipulate such desires to his dark designs. Selfish ambitions can quickly extinguish the gospel light. Many, many people start off wanting to praise the Lord and make a difference for the Lord, but then it becomes too much about themselves. And I'm speaking more from the perspective of my tribe. Many of my, my, my fellow pastors, we don't get into the ministry because it's uh, you know the most advantageous career in the world financially. We do it because we are called. But pretty soon, it is easy for a person to start applying the methodologies of the world in ministry and to begin to think that it really is all about us. Too often, church leaders and churches yearn to be somebody, well-known and celebrated, yet shouldn't we strive to be a nobody who points people to Jesus? Let me just challenge you this morning. I, I don't know what your particular background. Many of you have been a part of Ridgecrest for a long time, and God has done great things here. But let me warn you as an individual, let me warn us as a church, it is imperative that we love Jesus, and we love people, and we give all of our heart to both of those endeavors. We love Jesus and we love people. If we're not careful, we will start loving other things in this world and we will take away from the love we are to give to Jesus and to those who need Jesus. The greatest joy that we can have is to share our Christian faith and to surrender everything to Jesus, to be happy nobodies for Jesus. We're not here at Ridgecrest to build a brand. One of the things I'm seeing in the church today is as churches get bigger and more influential, they try to establish a brand. They have tags and they have certain images and certain styles that they try to show. Don't you want to be a part of this? Don't you want to have our name attached to your faith? Listen, the only name that needs to be attached to your faith is the name of Jesus. The church is losing its way because it's trying to build market share instead of reaching people for Jesus. We are here to be kingdom workers. The world doesn't need to remember Ridgecrest, but I promise you the world needs to remember Jesus. So when I'm talking about being a nobody, that's exactly what I mean. We're going to build something, but we're not going to build it for you or me or for Ridgecrest. We're going to build it for Jesus. God has put on my heart a vision. It's starting to come together by reaching this community to stab into the darkness and the lostness of our community. We can go just a few blocks north and we see a totally different world than we see a few blocks south. God is calling us to go to the most vulnerable, not just around the world, not just the, the, the widows and orphans, which we are all in there, but I want you to know we are after the vulnerable in our community, those who are beholden to addictions, those who are beholden to their particular brand of whatever. Listen, the only thing that's going to turn lives around is Jesus, and this community needs a bunch of nobodies like us, happy in Jesus and happy to share Jesus. 
Look at what's going on here in the text. In verses 29 and 32, the gospel put a wrinkle in some plans. That's what it does. Notice in verse 33 that everybody's enraged. They're enraged because a bunch of nobodies are preaching a message that the somebodies don't like. We need to realize that the gospel does rile people up. It's going to ruffle some feathers, but that's exactly what we are called to do. And this story is about Gamaliel, who was Paul's teacher. And he says some very wise words here about letting the Christians be. But in the, in the context there, in that moment when he says that we need to leave the people be, he also sets us up to realize who we are supposed to be. And we need to remember, if we're not careful, we can be like the Jewish council and very quickly be against God instead of for him. The people that are persecuting the church in this moment think that they are in the will of God. They think they're doing everything for the will of God. We could do the same thing if we try to be somebody. When you try to be somebody, then all of a sudden you start doing things that make you and your organization look better instead of magnifying Christ. This passage forces us to ask the question, who are we as a congregation? Who do we want to be? Who do we want to reach? What are we about? How are we going to leverage all the gifts that God has given Ridgecrest? And Ridgecrest has been given many gifts. Let me tell you, let's leverage the gifts for every hurting soul in our community. Let's leverage the gifts for the vulnerable here, near, and far. We want to give it all to Jesus. Hopefully I can get you on board before long. We want to give it all to Jesus. Because if we don't, let me tell you about the fate of the somebodies. In verses 34 through 37, we see what happens to somebodies. They end up in a bad way. If you start a business, you dream of being the next Apple or the next Amazon. If you were going to be a doctor, which is what I wanted to be, a medical doctor before the Lord got a hold of my life, it seems uh, fairly reasonable to want to be used of God to discover a cure for a dreaded disease, or to invent a new medical technology. All of that sounds great. So why wouldn't a person who wants to become a leader of the church, or in the church, or in an organization that's Christian-oriented, why wouldn't they want to change the spiritual landscape for their generation? That is a natural thing, but that's just it. It is the natural way of man. The human heart yearns for recognition. Now, I want you to know, I'm speaking and I'm preaching to you today because these are temptations that I have understood and known for nearly 30 years of leading the church. The ambitions of my heart have not always been pure and of God. Sometimes they have just been ambitions. But what God is asking us to do and what he's showing us is, is that when we are truly in step with him... We are an advocate for him and not an advocate for ourselves. Many leaders in our world today seem to be more interested in building churches than building souls. When you forget who you are in Christ and try to become a somebody, the first casualty will be souls. Souls. Churches can become great and lose their way 
in terms of reaching souls. When I was a young man, there was a movie that came out, Young Guns. Anybody remember that movie? Billy the Kid was uh, played by Emilio Estevez. He did a great job there. There's this really interesting scene where he's pulling his gun on a young guy and he says, I'll make you famous. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to be famous like that. (laughs) But the crazy thing is there are people in the world today who are just, I don't know, out of their minds enough that they would be uh, happy to be famous no matter what. They want to make an impact and a dent in society, but they don't care how they do it. I think many of the mass murders uh, that we see in our culture, the school shootings and things of that nature, it is a twisted form of desire on the part of the human being to be acknowledged and recognized. And I'm here to tell you, when you don't let God have your heart, your heart will do some wicked things. Now here in the text, Gamaliel, as he pauses the proceedings, as he says, hey guys, we're about to kill some people, we need to hold off for a second and think this through, which was great wisdom, he brings up two examples of people who tried to force the issue of Jewish independence without the help of God. They thought that they were somebody, they thought that they could lead, and they were crushed and killed accordingly. When we do not walk with God, we are in danger. The devil wants us to be agitated. Let me say this. God keeps showing me, and I hope I can do a better job, that that people are one to Christ when the church is joy-filled. When we have the sweetness of Jesus flowing from us, People are going to want that. But what I notice is, is that many of us get so agitated by what's going on in the world today that we lose the sweetness altogether. God is calling us to reach people. We will not reach them by being agitated and mad at the world. We will reach them only if we are in love with Jesus. Agitators get put down. Two examples in the text here for us to see. Agitators in this way, agitators who are not filled with the Spirit. It's okay to agitate, but you better make sure that you're filled with the Spirit of God. And if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you will be filled with the love of God. Oh, don't try to be a somebody who is always correcting everybody else's faults. Sometimes we think we're too much of a somebody, so we're really good at pointing out other people's faults. Focus on your own heart Because that's how you grow in love with Jesus more. We are not building a brand. We are not building names for ourselves. We want to build the kingdom. Be a nobody. Be a person who points people to Jesus. Be a soul winner rather than a somebody. Let me say it again. Be a soul winner rather than a somebody. 8,400 souls We have the opportunity from October to October, although you can begin now and some of you have, we want to share the gospel. We want to have gospel conversations 8,400 times in the next year. Why? Because we believe that the most important thing in the world is for someone to come to know Jesus. I believe that every single person out there, God has laid before them, as one old preacher put it, the pardon of sin. 
And they have to pick it up and take it. But it's our job to give and to offer and to remind and to exhort people that they can be saved in the name of Jesus. We will never build anything, though, if we are fighting against everyone and everything. The church, I can't control the denomination. I'm not saying I can even control this church. But what I can do is with all my heart beg you, beg you to ask the Lord to fill your heart with love. All those things in your heart that are not of God, all the agitation, all the anger, all the frustration, all the failures from your past, don't let the devil get a foothold in those areas. Let the blood of Jesus wash away those sins and hold firm to Jesus with love in your heart and a smile on your face and tell God you are ready to be nobody. This morning, my prayer is is that many of you will choose to be a nobody. But there is the fear of opposing God. Let's look at that very quickly here. The fear we sense among the Jewish leaders in chapter 5, verse 33, has little to do with the fear of God. It has more to do with the fear of losing control and power. You see, that's another thing. We can be afraid. Like, as a pastor, let me tell you, I live where I can be afraid all the time. Attendance on Sunday. Um, how, how, what the giving is, what the future holds. The enemy gives me a thousand things every morning to be worried about. I can be afraid of all those things or I can fear the Lord. If I fear the Lord and I grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord, I will not give room to fear in my heart for all these other things. I'm telling you, We, you and me, all of us together, we need to make sure that we are fearing the Lord and giving him our best. In verse 33, the folks are enraged. This is intense anger. The word here is all about intense anger. It even means being split open by rage. Verse 33 tells us that the people opposed to God are not just upset, but they are torn up inside. Extreme irrationality leads them to want to kill the 11 disciples, the 12 disciples. At this point, they're back up to 12. I think they're full strength. But the point is, they were angry enough to kill. The word picture here, again, is being split open. Now, if I take you back to Acts 2.37, let me share something with you. There is also a tearing up inside that the Spirit of God does. Here's what the Spirit of God does. According to Acts 2.37, when God is at work in you and the fear of the Lord is operative in your life, you will be cut to the heart. God will cut through all of the things that you put on the outside, the facade that needs to be torn away. He will cut to the heart. So the Holy Spirit cuts you to the heart. But your rage and anger and your sin will cause you to be split open, enraged, as the text tells us. Fear of God will make you humble and will give you the capacity to find healing in your relationships. But when you have fear of losing your power, your somebody's status, you can quickly be turned into a monster. What is God passionate about? Well, he's passionate about your soul. He is passionate about those in our community who need care. 
And I want you to realize that if we're going to make a difference for Jesus, we have to love people. We have to give our best to people. If you are walking around in fear all day long, you don't have bandwidth. You don't have room to love. Those two things are always at, at, at odds, tug of war. You're either giving in to fear or to love. And if we are going to be nobodies for Jesus, then we must always give in to love. Gamaliel realizes that a monster is about to be unleashed. In verse 35, he says, brothers, take care and look at the situation more carefully. He's saying, think before you act emotionally. And this is good advice. Our passions can lead us away from logic and love. So be careful. Be careful when you get on Facebook or on social media and you see something and you get all fired up and you get angry. Many times that passion doesn't lead to positivity. Many times what it leads to is irrational statements that push lost people further away. Again, our job is to draw people in, not push them away. And some of us are really good at repulsing people. But what we need to be as soul winners, we need to draw them in. That's what God is calling us to do. You see, I believe that God doesn't need any more bulls in a china shop. We're full up on that position. God needs more people who trust in him and operate on the basis of love rather than hate. God needs you to not go break things. He needs you to be an agent of reconciliation. Get your glue out because souls are shattered. People need to be put back together and you can't do it. But the spirit of God working through you can put people back together. Gamaliel's advice was wise. In fact, the later rabbis actually took it and inserted it into their teachings. We see in the second and third century. They believed what he said was true. And here's what he said. Basically, if God is in it, no man can stand against it. It's basically what he said. So here's the deal. If we will surrender to Jesus our whole hearts, I am convinced and convicted that God will give us favor and we will see souls saved and we will see lives changed. Listen, if the Holy Spirit of Jesus gets a hold of us, I promise you that is the will of God and that will change the world. But God's not going to bless it if it's just us. Oh, there's zealous people out there who have become opponents of God. Verse 39. How many people have been lost to their idealism, their zealotry, their baptized ideology? We need to watch out and guard our hearts. But let me tell you about the force of true faith. Verse 33 reminds us that sin always leads to death. But when our hearts are filled with love... We are always led in the direction of life. True life always involves a vigorous Christian witness. And I said something like this almost exactly last week. Let me say it again. We aren't living for Jesus as we should if we are not sharing Jesus often. One of the ways to know if you are on your way to being a happy nobody is that you're not so self-conscious that, that you're afraid to witness When we're afraid of being somebody and we're afraid of our reputation or making ourselves look silly, that means you're trying to build up a somebody persona. But when you're crazy enough to share Jesus, even when you don't always have the words, that means you're well on your way to being a nobody. I hear so many people say, Pastor, I just don't feel comfortable sharing my faith. Well, believe it or not, neither do I. And I'll tell you why. Because the enemy wants me to feel uncomfortable. The enemy wants me to think more about how I look than how that person's soul looks unto God. 
If we are healthy in Christ, we are putting aside childish things and we are bold and brazen as lions for the cause of the gospel. Never for the cause of self, but always for Jesus. We have power. The force of true faith gives us the ability to withstand anything. Look at these Christians. They were beaten. Verse 40, they were told not to speak in the name of Jesus, and yet they continued to share their faith every day. Verse 42, and they counted it as joy to suffer in Jesus' name. Verse 41, they were told to be quiet, and they wouldn't be quiet. Why? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they had the force of true faith. When you are a happy nobody for Jesus, you're going to share no matter what. I've often wondered, how does Luke know this story about Gamaliel's advice? Maybe it was famous. It could have been. But I think Paul was there. Paul was, was a disciple of Gamaliel. I think it's very likely that he was in close proximics to this event, that he was Luke's source. I believe this was one of many uh, uh, chipping away of the hardness of his heart to get him to the place of salvation. What Gamaliel said was true and powerful, and Paul knew it. Paul goes out and still tries to kill Christians for a while, but I think he knew in that moment that he wasn't being faithful even to his teacher. True faith changes everything. And though Paul isn't saved, at this moment he will be saved. Will you accept that you are a nobody in the world so that you can be a somebody for Jesus? Let me state it another way. Would you be willing to be a nobody if God would just give you one somebody to lead to Jesus? What would you give up in your life for one soul? What is the value of one soul? The value of one soul is impossible to calculate. We're not talking about something measured in years. Eternity is endless time. You have the capacity to share the gospel and change the world. You need to realize that Gamaliel did not follow Jesus. The tradition of the rabbis tell us that he stayed in his tradition until the end of his days. He was a man filled with wisdom, but he was not filled with Jesus. He is remembered in history as a somebody, but he did not become a happy nobody. You may be remembered. You may get your name on a building every time I go onto a campus uh, a university campus, I see people, I see their names on buildings. That's cool. That's somebody. But let me just say this. Don't aim for that. Don't aim for that. If you've got your name on a building somewhere, it's okay. I'm not telling you you're a bad person. But let, let that not be your aim. Let your, let your aim be to be a nobody. And I believe if you will do that, if you will think right now, this morning, what you are look, living for, if you will think, who you are living for, it could change everything. Give your life to Jesus. Surrender all that is you so that you can be in Christ. Hear me. The step towards being a nobody is to ask Jesus to come into your heart. That's the first step. You must be born again. But I look out and I see so many of you that I know have testimonies of being born again. And I want to just challenge you. Put your pride aside. Put everything in the back seat, as it were. And ask Jesus to give you the strength and the power to be a nobody. 
But let me add one more thing. Here's the qualification. I want you to join with me to be a nobody. But we got to be happy nobodies. No sad nobodies around here, okay? Only happy ones. And if we do that, let me just share to you a little bit of what I think God's going to do. I think God's going to begin to multiply our ministry and our footprint. I think he's going to begin to show us how to maximize the kingdom outside of this building, outside of these four walls and reaching into our community like we've never done before. That we are going to sacrifice and build strong churches and build young leaders to preach and to teach and to live gospel lives for the next generation. We are going to change the world together. We're going to do this because we're going to give everything to Jesus. We're going to say there's no longer any, any desire to see Ridgecrest be great for our name to to be big and in lights. No, we want to be nobodies so that Jesus can come and fill us with his power. Every single person in this community, apart from Jesus, is in grave spiritual danger. And if we'll be happy nobodies, we'll win some of them to Jesus. Amen? Let's do it together. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.